Welcome back, everybody, to another fun edition of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. Super excited. I'm watching all the data. You guys are listening, loving, rating. Keep doing that. I got some more fun guests, plenty of fun guests coming, and I really, really appreciate. Today, I have a gentleman, you know, who's very well known, and I'm excited to talk to him because we've actually never spoken in all these years. I've, you know, obviously drank a lot of the whiskeys he's been associated with, but I'm excited to have today Raj Sabarwal. Raj, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? Great, Gavin. Thank you for having me. It's, I hear this is your one-year anniversary for the show, so... Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. Brass, what have we done? Like 50, 50 episodes? I mean, we've been pretty good every week getting people on that are just super passionate about whiskey. And you, my friend, have got a lot to talk about, I'm, I'm hoping, and I think you do. Raj, you want to introduce yourself to the audience quickly? Sure. Uh, thanks, Evan. My name is Raj Saberwal. I am one of the founding partners of Glass Revolution Imports. We'll be celebrating 15 years next year. Wow. And we are uh, probably most known for uh, it, launching and importing Amrut single malts from India and followed by a number of other world si single malts. And so we have a Quite a uh, esoteric portfolio that uh, a lot of people, including Gavin yourself, love. Yeah. Now, all right, let's go back to the early days, Rod. Do you have a whiskey? What was whiskey like for you growing up? What was whiskey uh, like well, you know, I, when you became I, a drinking age or whatever, you know? Yeah, well, I grew up in Canada. They, so we were fortunate drinking age was 18 and then became 19. But growing up, my, my dad always had bottles of Johnny Walker Black and Shivers 25 <laughs> kicking around. You know, in the 70s and 80s, there was not a lot of single malt until until Glenfiddich actually came into the market. So I drank a lot. You know, that's what we drank. But we also drank a lot of Canadian whiskey. We used to, you know, the thing we used to call it uh, rye. And little did we know, it really wasn't rye whiskey. But all Canadian whiskey back then was called rye whiskey. <laughs> allegedly had a little bit of rye in in the mix, but drinking a lot of CC, Crown Royal, and you know, bad boys that uh, were around then. I tell you that, Rod, you you know, you hit a you hit a point early in that comment was of the fifty plus guests that I've had the last year on this podcast, I'm telling you, we're probably batting eighty percent where Johnny Walker Black was like the first whiskey experience. They did a really good job. Johnny Walker Black was so different than it is today. Wow, it had a higher. We can go down a whole rabbit. We can go down a yeah. whole rabbit hole of that. That everything is a little different. We can sure we can we can. <laughs> so so you so that's like you know the stuff that's around you. I'm going to assume you grow grew up kind of like me, where like whiskey was around. Your dad drank whiskey. Your grandfather drank whiskey. You saw whiskey. We didn't see much else. I saw a little yeah. bit of gin every now and again. Both my brother and I were big gin fans, so we, we did drink a lot of gin, a lot of wine, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, in, in university, it was obviously beer, <laughs> whiskey was around, and then, you know, I had traveled a lot. And it, it was funny because when I, you know, my brother and I would go to India to visit family, my cousins would say, hey, come on over, we're going to drink some whiskey. And my brother and I would both be going, what the hell is this stuff? There was not good whiskey or you know what would be called whiskey anywhere else in the world that was available in india back then well and that's interesting just because of the climate right i mean they were making whiskey it's just it was different well it, it yeah so because it was made from a neutral molasses spirit with some yep. 
uh, grain whiskey or imported whiskey added in into it is called Indian made foreign liquor IMFL that was what a lot of people drank and and you know still do the top out of the top 10 selling whiskeys in the world five of them are Indian made that's wild. I didn't actually know that. I mean, I know that, you know, when I look at Johnny Walker's export stats, I mean, India is like insane. You know, it is because India has actually <laughs> surpassed France now in everything. Imports. It's pretty wild because, you know, I'll, I'll often look at just global data and India is just such a heavy whiskey consumption. Yep. That are hands down. In the world. Yeah. Hands down. So now, all right. So, you, you know, you're going through college, beer. Ironically, I skipped a beer growing up in South Africa. You know the reason why? Is there were always long lines to the bathroom. <laughs> I swear to God, if I drank one beer, three beers came out. Yeah. I learned real early. Like, if, if I want to, like, be out and have fun, drink whiskey. <laughs> like, because yeah. the beer, shit, <laughs> I just, my body just wouldn't let it handle. So when was the first time you drank whiskey, even though you had drank whiskey, you know, growing up? Well, it, And you were like, yeah. wow, this is something different. Like, yeah, this is something different. I was born in England, so I mean, I have a, a you know a, a affinity to that. But we, would, whenever I go to England, we drink like real whiskey. And I still remember uh, my brother and I were there in 1983, and it was kind of a rainy day. Where I remember being in Trafalgar Square, and we I said, "Oh, there's a pub across the street." We went went into there and grabbed uh, a shot of Glenfiddich and and a pint. It really, it wasn't until I was working in the in the corporate world, a business colleague invited me over to his house and he said, hey, look what I just picked up. And he pulls out this bottle of Lefroy quarter cask, which he never heard of. I tasted it and I was like, wow, what is this? And that sort of was an epiphany and put me on the the road to wanting to know more about whiskey and single malts in particular. And what what time frame is this? What, what years is this? This would have been in the late, 80s, probably 80, so, 88, 89. So you're, I mean, like single malts hasn't even really happened yet. It's about to happen. Correct. To the best of their ability. Correct. You know, they were going to try to break. So, so okay, so you so you have the Lafroy, now you, you know, you're on that journey. I mean, because what's the landscape look back then? I mean, the big boy, you know, like you said, Glenn Fittig was there, but like they weren't, the single malts are about to come like in the early 90s, I feel. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, again, a lot of it was, Seagram's, which was a Canadian company, UK operations, so a lot of their whiskeys were available. Their their scotches, their single malts. I mean, Glenfiddich was the first one to start really focusing on exporting, but then the other ones came, Lafroig and you know, Lagavulin, and et cetera, et cetera. And so there was, but the problem is, is that Ontario, where I grew up, is government controlled as far as liquor sales go, and so they're not always the most proficient at bringing in like leading items, right? It's sort of like, okay, we, we like this. We know we can make money on it. And so we're going to sell it. So it, it takes- Well, they also was, they were, they really wasn't, I mean, in all fairness, it also, there wasn't really a demand for it yet. Well, I mean, there's always been, you're right. There all, there's always been a like sort of demand. I mean, and that fell off in the seventies and, you know, in the 80, early eighties, we saw a lot of distilleries in Scotland closing but certainly not what it is like today. And not only though, not only with Scotch and single Scottish single malts, but world single malts and all brown spirits. I mean, the whole whiskey world has evolved uh, and developed so much. 
so for you, like the nineties, things are coming. You continue to try things. Are there any are there any pivotal moments in the nineties that stand out in your head that you tried something unique and you went deeper down the rabbit hole? Because at fifteen years on Glass Rev, we got to get all the way up to two thousand and eight at this point. <laughs> well, so you know, I mean, I you know, I was I was working in the corporate world. I was working in insurance and executive positions and. I got to work and travel all over the world. And, and part of the reason I sort of got more into wine and spirits was uh, we when we were entertaining customers, nobody in my team really knew anything about uh, wine. And so it turned to me and I started learning more about uh, wines in particular. Uh, so that way I could you know, order stuff that would, would make sense uh, based on what we were eating, what people would enjoy. And always had a passion for stuff and, and went out. Uh, my partner, Bill, who you know, I remember mm -hmm. him in, walking in Toronto in, I can't remember when, this must have been in the early 90s. We had come out of some place and we were walking by this bar. We said, oh, let's stop in here. And they had a bottle of Bomar Black. Fifty dollars for a and the, because they were released in the nineties and nobody wanted yep. them really. I yep. mean, right? I was fortunate just to drink two of them a few months ago in Edinburgh, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And like, if you look at what they are financially now and what they were, like, they were nothing. That's correct. We counted our money and we went and we uh, we drama that and and it was like, wow. And Bill loved it so much that. He, when he went home, he raved to Jane about it, and she said, oh, "I got to get him a, a bottle of this for his birthday." And the LCBO in Ontario had a bottle. Jane ordered it, and then they lost, allegedly lost it. They didn't find the bottle. So, but there was one in Alberta, <laughs> so they brought that in. And I think back then it was probably three hundred dollars for the bottle. You know, and now I mean, I think the latest one was like sold for fifteen. 5,000 or 15,000, I can't remember. No, I mean, I, you know, I drank the the one that I had. It goes for like 65. Oh, okay. I was like, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could. I mean, I. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It's 50 grand. It's 50 grand a year. 50 grand. 1964, okay. 31 year old DB5. Yes. You know, you know ni released in 1995. Right. <laughs> you know, 50K all day long. And, oh, my God. And it was interesting because. Uh, it, it just blew my mind after we drank a 1962 like an hour before that yeah <laughs> this is like this is like a silly world of Bowmore. and i had never been down the Bowmore rabbit hole and after leaving scotland i'm like i'm going in i'm going ahead first in there because i mean that is epic whiskey i go back to back then yes but you know after i mean yeah. Bowmore was one of the first distilleries that the japanese purchased and uh, mm -hmm. you know that uh, it wasn't what they're producing now is really not what no. it's like back then. No, 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 no. You know, but I mean, solid, so, solid agreement there. All right, so, so now you, so now you, you're traveling around, you're enjoying whiskeys. There's a lot more starting to come in right now. I mean, like you're saying, that Bowmore just landed. You know. Yep. Well, I was fortunate that in, in 19, 1999, 1998, my company recruited me to moved to London, England, to be part of a worldwide team. And I was the only one from North America selected to do that. And certainly being in the UK opened up a whole new world of whiskey. <laughs> I joined the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. Yeah, I would, I would hang out at the club there. I would take friends there. And every 
you know, in the, the Sunday papers, all, a lot of times they had uh, whiskey on special offer. I go, oh, that's a good deal. I'm going to grab that. And, and I remember Bill came to visit. Bill, Bill, Jane took Bill to Scotland for his birthday. And he called me up and said, oh, you got to come and join us. We were in Glasgow, near Glasgow or something like that. But I remember in Edinburgh walking down the Royal Mile and walking into Royal Mile Whiskies. I bought a bottle of 1959, which is the year I was born. Glenn Grant, and it was a 40-year-old bottling, and I held on to it thinking, oh, you know, I'll drink it on my 50th, which I never did, and in my, just before my 60th, my my dad passed away, so I took the bottle up to Toronto when all my, my brothers and sister and all my cousins were in, and I said, okay, we got to open this now, because dad would have appreciated it, so we opened that, and that was just another epiphany, it was just an incredible- Was that an actual Glenn Grant or a Gordon McPhail bottling? It was an independent bottling, and I can't remember who did it. It was not Gordon, it was not Gordon McPhail. It was somebody else. But I mean, because I was blown away, like how much of those like 1969s, 1956 G and M's I was I was finding in like little places and everywhere that nobody was even drinking. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, I <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> I, I probably like, and Adelphi's like all the Delphi's. Yeah, that you know, Adelphi Springbanks just sitting there, Bunnahabins, Brookbodies. Oh, yeah. I was like, what, yeah. what is going on I mean, over here? It's like a whole other world. Yeah, Duncan Taylor, and you know, I mean, Blackadder, which we import. You know, some of the yeah, stuff uh, we've done. Uh, Blackadder has my heart. It was fantastic, and 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 I I was like, wow, this is, and you know, I I mean, I I think I paid like maybe a hundred twenty, hundred thirty pounds for it, forty year old already, and. And today you can't. I mean, just the oh. thought. Of buying. Oh, I found I found a little spot when I went up into more into Speyside area. I, yeah. I was staying at a hotel that I cannot remember. It was a tiny little hotel with a beautiful bar, and they had uh, Gordon McPhail, nineteen fifty six Glenn Grant. Okay, Gordon McPhail, nineteen sixty nine Glenn Roth, and a nineteen sixty nine Little Mill. Wow! And I asked I asked for just half pours on on those three. And it was ninety bucks. <laughs> wow! I mean, the little mill <laughs> definitely because I mean, close the story. That that that's rare. Oh. oh, it was it was like, and and that night I had dinner with Stephen, and he's like, "Wait, where are you staying?" <laughs> like, I'm like, "Dude, it's like right around the corner from you, buddy. You live like five miles from this hotel." He's like, "Whoa, that's crazy." I'm like, I showed him a picture of like their little last off thing, and he's like, "That's bananas what they have of ours." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, this is pretty crazy over here." We stayed in a so you, little place in Octorotter. I think it's in space. Yeah, it's in Spaceside. And they had an incredible whiskey selection, including like stuff from the 30s. And I remember Bill and I like saying, oh, yeah, we'll have that. And then it was owned by a couple and they're going to bed and they just said, uh, they had a fireplace on. We're sitting downstairs and they just said, well, enjoy the evening. Just, you know, just turn the lights off when you go upstairs. And <laughs> we they left the bar open and, and we're just like, Wow, look at this stuff. And yeah, I mean, it was kind of like I came back from dinner and I was like, I'm gonna have a few more pours. And like the ho- like the girl at the front desk was like, I'll open it up for you. I'm like, you guys are like, so- I mean, this hotel, no elevator, no nothing. Drag my luggage up like three flights yep. of stairs. And I'm yep. like, this is mind blowing. Just the, the, the beautifulness. So you and Bill have been friends for a long time. How did Glass Rev get started? Well, so. Bill and Jane and a couple other people had a business in Canada, in Western Canada, importing wine and spirits. They were importing Amrit and selling it and doing a great job. And 
people from Amrit said, hey, we want to get into the U.S. <laughs> and I had just moved to the U.S. This would have been 2008. Uh, my wife's American, so she wanted, she was, she's a physician. It was hard for her to practice in Canada. Moved to the U.S. and, and we were in Charlotte, North Carolina. And those of you who remember 2008 was the, uh, the big financial crisis and all these banks mm-hmm. were based in, in Charlotte, shut down. And so I, uh, my friends were like, yeah, we'd love to hire you, but no, uh, we're laying off people. In 2009, Bill gave me a call and said, hey, we got this Indian whiskey. And my first reaction was, what are you talking? There is no Indian whiskey. <laughs> uh, he said, no, 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 you've got to try this. So I, uh, I dug into a little bit more. I went up, uh, visited them in Calgary. I, I tried this and I was like, wow. I said, well, okay, I'm not doing anything right now. I will give it a shot. And I knew nothing about the business side of it in the U.S. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's like dealing with 50 different countries. Each state has their own special rules. Exactly. <laughs> but it took us a year to get approval from the TTB, you know, who's the federal regulatory body, because back then we had to send full bottles of everything to the lab to get tested uh, with a full description of how it was manufactured. And then they came back and said, oh yeah, you can call it a straight malt whiskey. And my reaction was, what the hell is a straight malt whiskey? Is that why in Europe it was called pure malt in the beginning? Well, pure malt was a term that was a lot. That's, that refers to a blend, uh, blended malt from like, from Hillary. Oh, but that term, when they changed the regulations in the Last, they got rid of pure malt and vatted malt, so now it has to be called a blended malt. Uh, okay, okay. So I was thinking straight and pure are the same thing, yeah. but no. Well, straight, <laughs> straight malt is a term that only applies to American-made whiskeys that uh, contain at least 51% malted grain. And I said, well, we're 100% malted grain. So they finally relented and said, okay, you can call it a malt whiskey because there is no definition in the U.S. for a single malt whiskey. And we were allowed to add the word single. So that took a while. And, and then, of course, launching a Indian single malt, uh, Indian whiskey, real Indian whiskey in any market had its challenges. And first couple of years, it was like, okay, what, you know, how much are we going to sell? But then in two, late 2009, early 10, Amrit started winning awards. And yes. uh, all of a sudden, it was like, Everyone with I was being I was getting calls from all these different distributors saying, "Hey, let's uh, you know we want this." So we and we started. But I mean, my, I mean, let, let's you know, let's uh, in two thousand and nine, the whiskey bar scene in the United States for whiskeys wasn't exactly anything to write home about. It, You'd be lucky if you could find like eight or nine whiskeys. I mean, I was running restaurants at that point in my career, and it's like you sold cocktails, you sold yep. rum, you sold gin, you did yep. champagne, you did wine. Whiskey, you would be totally fine if you literally offered nothing, hardly any. Nobody cared. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if you went into like a higher end steak place or something like that, you'd see a few, yeah. a few, a few malts on the on the bar. And certainly, even less bourbon back then. Less other, a uh, very maybe no Irish whiskey or maybe James. No Bushmills. Bushmills. Bushmills Bushmill might sneak in, but it was like it was almost like a shot. Right. It wasn't exactly. given the respect of the whiskey. You know, a beer and a shot of Irish whiskey. Exactly. Know, that's it. Irish car bomb. That's oh, right. Gun. That's right. Yeah. So we, when we launched, we were in, uh, we had the, you know, the uh, single malt and the and the fusion and the pita, and we were in three markets. And now 
We're in 40, 46, 47 states. Can't keep enough Omrid in stock. No. I mean, it's blown up. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I don't know if you know Dennis Streckel. Whiskey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Omrid Fever. So I had I had Dennis on the show a few weeks ago, and then we fa- we were FaceTiming afterwards, and he was showing me, like, every bottle he has in his man cave. I'm like, dude, that's bananas, bro. Yeah. That is just bananas. Yeah. Yeah. And, you it, know, it, 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 there's a couple of people in, in the U.S. who I know who are huge collectors of Omrit, and we just released a, a, one store in Massachusetts had a, a single cast. They're triple distilled, and this guy bought nine bottles of it. And he would have bought more. He did, but well, I still I got a couple of bottles of Spectrum that I just can't get enough of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty special. Something. Oh, so I mean, I I just listen. I I'm a you know like you. I love whiskey. I love good whiskey. Yeah. So when I find good whiskey, I double down. <laughs> you know, yeah, because because, th- because things have changed. Okay, so you guys have got Amrut. You're kind of getting it out there. How does the Black Adder part come in? So Black Adder was our next brand, and that was, I guess, Robin Tuchik, who owns Black Adder, knew the show from uh, Amrit somehow, and so they put us in touch. So we said, yeah, we'll take it. Well, because my my understanding is, you know, he was buying a lot of barrels from them. Not a lot. He gets a few a year, two or three a year, but it's not... Not a lot, but but with anyone he was one of like the first guys buying them from them as, as barrels to hold. Yeah, so I think yeah. that you know that that always intrigued me how you know how Rob, how the Black Adder it almost seemed like it was always just fun. I don't know if there was ever a business. I don't know them. Oh no, but it was like it was probably like the, the, their collection and what they have been buying over the years. Like it's been spectacular access. Yeah, I mean they've only they've been around less than thirty years. Yeah, they celebrate twenty five a number of years ago, but uh, they finally um, they just finished their own warehouse in Glasgow, and so they're moving all the the barrels there, and they're going to have their own bottling facility and be able to oh wow cooler stuff. So yeah, so that's pretty exciting. They, oh, I def I definitely want to go visit that because Bill and Jane and I have drank many a great black adder, especially they used to before COVID. There was this amazing bar. Inside the Palms Hotel, it was like a secret room. I forget what it was called. It was inside Mabel's uh, Barbecue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a back uh, Teresa's, was it? Teresa's Palms, something like, no, it was, I, I know it wasn't Teresa's. But okay. the gentleman there, and, and he moved to Mexico in the COVID, you know, when COVID hit. And, I mean, he had, I don't know, a dozen black adders in there, at least. And yeah. every time I'd visit Ve- Vegas, Bill, me, and Jane would go there and just be like, yeah. This is insane. Yeah, I, uh, I I spent many a many a night there, and and the uh, great selection and great food too. So unfortunately, yeah, yeah. there's no more. But uh, yeah, because I mean, so I mean, I I always thought that first of all, I love you know just the raw caskness of Black Adder, which makes it so unique. But just the actual whiskey, the barrels that that they picked over the years have exactly. always been spectacular. I've ne- I've never had a bad Black Adder. No, nope. we we apparently we have a, a whole slew of, of really rare things. <laughs> Unfortunately, we we did have a a twenty eight year old Springbank that quickly disappeared, and then we've got some others like some Lechegs and a Kamlavulin and a, a Glen Farkless and McAllen and uh, whatever else. So there's there's always there's a lot of, a lot of hidden gems that are sitting there. But, uh, we no, I gotta I gotta reach out to Jane and see what everything what it looks like because yeah. seriously, like that's 
that's my jam. I mean, I was up in I was up in Beverly Hills. A friend of mine owns an amazing restaurant up there, and you know the food's always amazing. And he's a huge whiskey lover, and so I'll bring whiskeys with. And I brought. I don't even know. It was a 32-year-old something. I can't remember. And I ended up just leaving him the bottle because he loved it so much. I'm like, dude, Gordon, here, buddy. Just keep it. You really love this bottle. I'm like, I'll bring you plenty more Black Adders next time. Because I probably got about a dozen open. Which yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I feel like every time people come to my house and try whiskey, like they're blown away by Black Adder. Oh, yeah. like they, you know, the geeky side of it, looking, you know, looking inside and all the little itsy bitsies floating around. Yeah. <laughs> and then that. The high ABV yet so yeah. well balanced, you Absolutely. know, it's it, it, it it's a it's a showpiece of yeah. fun yeah. And, and history, yeah, and history, and it's crazy because you know you mentioned like you know obviously the last three years all of a sudden we've seen Springbank just go nuts, yes, you know, and those single barrels independent bottles of Springbank were like nothing five years ago. Mm-hmm. You could have got them like all day long. I mean, I just got the Samaroli one, which was oh, yeah. not easy to get hold of. Right. I'm just like, well, you know, I know, I know they pick good barrels. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So following Blackadder, then we ended up with, so we, being the first ones to bring Indian whiskey in, then we brought the English Whiskey Company. So the first English single malt, followed quickly by Sullivan's Cove, which was the first mm-hmm. single malt to come into the U.S. So we had a lot of firsts bringing stuff in from different countries. We had a reputation of, being able to work through the bureaucracy to be able to bring in all of these, you know, world whiskeys, world single malts that were being developed. Well, I think you also have a very beautiful, a boutique curated whiskeys group, you know, under your portfolio. Yes, thank you. Uh, and you, and, and you, and you, and you're good at what you do. So it makes sense if you are one of those boutique whiskey houses that are that I won't say unique because they're all fucking famous on their own legs but the opportunity to penetrate the united states if they didn't go with you would be a lot more challenging they yeah be, thank you behind thank you for saying that but i mean i, I think the, the landscape has changed and there are other importers that uh are fully you know embraced um the world whiskey scene and and have started bringing- I, I don't know do you still do you think that they hit the pavements like you guys do i mean you guys still do it kind of old school yeah, you, know, you couple, go support the market. Yeah, there's a couple, couple of uh, like I think Impex does a good job. Yeah, yeah, he okay. does. Sam does a really good job, and um, uh, uh, Holdling, you know, has has a good portfolio. And then um, those are the two that come to mind. There, there are friends of mine who own a heavily spirits in Massachusetts, and they focus on French spirits, huh. and 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 have a great portfolio there. So. There's a lot of us smaller, uh, maybe below the radar, but but as you said, we have a good reputation and and we're proud of what we do and and it reflects in our portfolio. Yeah. What else do you have in the so you got that and then don't you have what's what's the newest kid that you put in? Do you still have that one from the blue bottles? The single? Uh, no, I don't. No, you're talking about okay. from Ireland. No, yep. we parted parted ways with them earlier this year. You know, it was, they wanted uh, to go a different direction, which is fine. We we have Klaxus, which is another independent bottler. They've got a great selection. They've got uh, their warehouses in the lowlands and Dumfries. They have uh, probably about 10,000 barrels in their, in their warehouses. And so we've, we've got some, we brought in five single barrels this year, plus some of their other releases. Um, 
So that you know, we we do have a good selection of things that. Uh, uh, and tell me, how often do you go back across there to check things out in Scotland and London and stuff like that? Yeah, a couple times a year. I mean, I just got back from London. I was there the first week of December, um, and I'll be back there in. Um, where am I going back? End of April, early May for uh, Spaceside uh, Whiskey uh, Festival as well. I know. I'm I'm supposed I'm supposed to go out for that, and to be honest, it looks a little too hectic. I mean, you know, because me, I'm on the West Coast. I mean, yeah. it takes me two days just to recover from yeah. the jet lag. And yeah. then that looks pretty hard and heavy. And I was yeah. thinking of coming afterwards because there's a lot of like people still lingering around, but like I could land kind of while it's happening and just like acclimate. And then yeah, that makes sense. it's like, you know, like when, when's, when are they opening the blackout of Glasgow thing? So the warehouse is open, but I, I don't know if they're welcoming visitors at this point. Uh, um, yeah. They're still trying to get, get things uh, sorted out. But I mean, part of the reason I'm I'm going to go up to Scotland is uh, Dunfell, which is a new distillery uh, owned and operated by the folks who started Bimber in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is their space side distillery. So the grand opening is going to be the same time during that week. So I'm going to go up for for that. So that's uh, we will eventually um, have Dunfell, but we have we have Bimber right now. I, I, you know, Jane and I spoke a while ago about Bimber. I know nothing and I do want to learn. And I'm embarrassed because when I was at the Distillers One of One luncheon, the gentleman who I guess used to make the whiskey for them, who now has his own thing. And I forget, but across from me was this gentleman who was chatting to me the whole luncheon. And I'd like, he had a whiskey up there on auction. And I was like, oh, okay. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, no, he's like one of the original dudes from like Bimber. And I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, uh, no, I think it was. I think you're thinking of the Lakes Distillery. Oh my God, I am. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he did a special project. He did one of those beautifully beautiful bottles with a whiskey. It looked like a samurai. Yeah, like almost like in, in his design. All right, it was yeah. the loud. Yeah, like, Dab- listen, I know Davin Ganav. Yes, that's it. Yeah, I felt like we spoke like the whole lunch, and I'm like, I had no idea. Till and people kept mentioning, you know, like I don't know. I think he's just another investor. Like, you know, they're like, no, that was the guy. I'm like, oh, that was, yeah. but like, but Lakes and Bimber is like on my little world whiskeys project that me and Jay do on the side. Yeah. Like the guys, in, cause most of my, most of our, our members are based in London and they yeah. just rave for Lakes and Bimber. And I have no clue. I haven't drank any of it, tried any of it. Not a clue about it. Well, we so got, I, I would like to that. at some point learn. Yeah. We got to fix that. Yeah. I mean, Bimber does everything old school. You know, they they have a dedicated malting floor at the Mulsters. They it's a wood fired still, uh, wooden washbacks, long fermentation, Tracy stuff, and you know, and they're they're now seven seven going on eight years. But mm-hmm. they have such a loyal following. You know, they uh, they do this series called. I'm sure a lot of your fans in London know this. They do a series called the Underground series, which. Every time they release four of them, and each bottling is named after one of the tube stops in London, and a special special release. Oh no! In our in our little WhatsApp for the group, like they go they go bonkers for this stuff, and I'm like, yep. what are you guys talking about? Like, I'm just getting to milk and honey. Like, I haven't <laughs> even got there yet to the rest of the stuff. Yeah, <laughs> well, you can't go around so, with milk and honey. That's good. Oh, I mean, I was just I was just with Mike at Travel Bar a few weeks ago, yeah. and he's like, I got some special stuff for you, and he's like, Don't look. And I'm like, what is this? He's like, more milk and honey. I know you loved it last time. I'm like, this is so good. Yeah, Mike's, this is Mike's so great. ridiculous. You know, just good yeah. people. So 
So here's a, here's a question that I always bring on my guests um, who've had fortunate times and doing cr- amazing stuff in whiskey. Are there any standout moments for you, Raj, where you like pinch yourself? Like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I mean, I'm sure there's a few of them, but are there any like... You well, know, you know, Gavin, go, I mean, going on, you know, 15 years next year, I mean, 15 years ago, I, I still pinch myself because I never thought that I would have built this you know, not empire, but this, uh, this model that, that, that is focused on, on whiskey and bringing in cool stuff. I mean, not only whiskey, but rum and some other stuff that we bring in that, uh, you know, so I, you know, if I, if somebody had asked me 15 years ago when I was starting the company, you know, where do you see yourself going? I was like, I have no idea. And today it's like, wow. Okay. So we set the trend for a lot of others to follow. And yeah, we created the whole, or you know, introduced world whiskey, world single malt whiskey to the U.S. market. And I'm glad to see so many others. I mean, not only from other countries, but like India. Now there's five single malts from India available in the U.S. All because of Armored throwing, you know, throwing down the the glove and saying, "Yeah, we can do this." and Let's stay focused on it and, you know, everyone else now jumping on the bandwagon. Well, it's interesting because if you go into a place like Total Wine, I mean, they have like three shelves now for Indian whiskey. Yep. yep. <laughs> it used to be like top right corner. Exactly. Bottles. Yeah. But it's, you know, <laughs> you know, it's Indian Indian single malts are where Japanese whiskey was 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I yeah. mean, it was, you know, I talked to friends of mine who, you know, sell or represent Japanese whiskey and they tell me when they started they had to go door to door and convince people it wasn't made out of rice and it was really single malt whiskey and I sort of feel well, like- I mean I mean just to stop you on that point it is to me it is a little disappointing now yeah because of the I- success of Suntory like yeah. I'll go into a grocery store and they'll have a Japanese whiskey section you're like what the hell is this I yeah I I, I know I mean we Maybe again, a Japanese whiskey, uh, Shizuoka, which is uh, newer, yeah, of five years, six years old, and they're, you know, talking about doing stuff the old school way. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Oh, I've I've been fortunate because a lot of my you know Rolex whiskey followers actually like from Sweden and Amsterdam and Holland are big into it. Yeah, and they'll send me samples all the time, and I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. And then like you know, this year the the whiskey investment and i throw that up in loose terms but meaning like the auction sites were like giving whiskey away for free because all those people who thought they were investors are losing their pants oh my god they're quickly trying to get rid of it so they don't lose it anymore and i'm like well i'll buy all of this stuff up on a deal but they were buying all one of my big guys in amsterdam bought a ton of that on auction like it's like for free now i'll take it all yep yeah for sure yeah so that you know that that's you know it, it it it's a shame like you said to see what uh, has happened with Japanese whiskey and, and you know, and the prices uh, on top of that. Oh. And they're going up. Well, I mean, I, I was I was in Costco the other day and there was a kid. I was just looking, you know, and there was a guy and there's a there's a I forget what it is. I want to say Fujikama. I'm making up a name. OK, but they did it in black and it's 18. And it kind of if you didn't know, it looks like a Yamazaki 18. And the guy saw me wearing my, you know, make whiskey great again hat. And he's like, hey, I got a question. Is this any good? 
I have a bachelor party. I heard this is really good. I'm like, walk away. This is not yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. It's well, the problem good. is, and even like, though there's new, yeah, new Japanese rules, those are voluntary, and, and no one's following them. You know, they were supposed yeah. to be put in place. None of the none of the big players agreed to go along with it. So, you know, it, it's just sucking diluted. You don't know if you don't know who's making what. You don't know out of barley or rice or or what it is. <laughs> yeah, and and the crazy part is that the retail world is jumping all over it because yeah. they're like, well, we don't have any Suntory. We'll put that up there. The yeah. customers, I want to, I want you to listen. I'm gonna, I I feel like the customer just doesn't have the knowledge and expertise because how could they? So when they hear Japanese whiskey is great and they walk in there and they see a selection of like nine bottles, they're like, well, that's Japanese whiskey. Look, it looks on the bottle. It's written in in, in Japanese. Okay, I'll buy some. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's unfortunate that you're right. I mean, education is such an I mean, important tool. That's why, you know, we we think of ourselves uh, as educators and we do that. I mean, I teach uh, WSET uh, level two and three and uh, yeah, the, the Whiskey Ambassador Program and, and just trying to get people to to learn more about it. Um, and And people, unfortunately, just blindly follow what they think is uh, the right thing to drink. Well, not only blindly follow, I think also they they honestly believe financially that they're getting a deal because they heard Japanese whiskey was so expensive. Right. When they see, you know, whatever with a KI at the end, they're like, oh, hey, this is a great deal. It's only a hundred bucks. And you're like, it should be 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, Raj, I had a ton of fun talking to you today, dude. We've got to meet in person and have fun. I do want to learn more about Bimber. Jane and I need to regroup on that. I do want to. I'm, I'm hopefully can meet up with you in May. I, I'll look at the calendar because I'm going to come out there at the same time. Let's okay. see if that cross path. And I definitely want to hear more about the new Black Adder releases because I am a super fan. Are there any uh, social media you want to plug? So the list uh, well, you can, uh, I'm on uh, Whiskey Raj um, on Instagram and Twitter at or X or whatever the hell you call it. Uh, yeah. No E, No E, and Whiskey at Glass Revs is our company social media. But certainly you can follow you know follow our brands, Armory Blackadder, Bimber. They're all they're all pretty active in social media. Yeah, they actually. Well, I, I feel like they've actually done a really good job. I mean, Blackadder is getting a little bit better. They got some work to do there. I don't think that was a focus and a, a priority, but the other two, I mean, Bimber is really good. Yeah, Bimber, Claxons as well. You know, they they're they're really active in putting stuff out there. So yeah, just go on to our site glassrev.com and you can see what we have and what we have coming in. So cool stuff. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. So good to catch up and talk. Look forward to in person. I want to thank everyone for listening. Raj and Glass Rev are really bringing in absolute beauties from around the world. And like I said, it's a curated boutique, beautiful whiskey, and they're creating awareness. And you should definitely get some for your for your bars and some of them, the older ones, for your investments if you're a serious investor. Raj, can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Keep listening. Keep rating. Keep sharing. I love seeing all of it. And I appreciate all of you. I'll talk to everyone soon. And thanks again.